ask a question that we often don't ask, but uh, here's the question. How do I, as a believer, stay filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I, as a believer, continually walk in that overflow in my life? So let's look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. And I'm going to begin with verse 15, and we're going to get to two verses that we're going to show on the screen. Verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Okay? Circumspectly here is from the Greek word uh, to see. So see that you walk with your eyes wide open, not blinded. Okay? So see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time which simply means making the proper use of every minute you're given, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay? So I don't know the particular will of God for each of your lives, but I know a few big pieces. You know, it's like the illustration of the jar. If you, want to, you know, if you want to organize your life, you need to put the big rocks in first, then the little pebbles can get in later. Well, I can give you some big rocks that need to go in your mason jar. Number one, you need to get saved. You're not in, even walking in the kingdom of God. You're not walking in His light. You're not going to go to heaven. You need to get saved. You need to be baptized in water. It's a command in Scripture. We're following the example of Jesus. Third, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a big rock in your jar. And so Paul says, this is the will of God for your lives. Here it is. Ready? Listo? Here it is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a contrast. There's a contrast and a comparison between being drunk with alcohol and drunk in the Spirit. (laughs) Right? So if you're drunk with alcohol, you're out of your mind. If you're drunk with the Spirit, you're full, your mind is fully alive. Um, I could go off on this. So some people, it takes two beers in their high. Other people, it takes a case of beer before they're high. Some of you are shouting when you walk through the door on Sunday morning. Others of you, we've been working on 20 years, and you haven't made it yet, but I'm, just, I'm having fun. The will of the Lord is be filled with the Spirit. Okay, this in the original Greek language is a present, passive, imperative verb. You, you'll owe me for that later. So what does that mean? Okay, first of all, it's present. It's in the present tense. It means I can constantly be filled with the Spirit. I'm living in the present tense. The Spirit is in the present tense with me. So what He did yesterday is awesome, but we're talking about what He's going to do right now. Well, my parents, Pastor Hans, they were in the church in the 70s, and man, I used to see the Spirit of God get on them. Well, that's wonderful. That's something to celebrate. But where are you? God has no grandchildren. He only has children, right? He wants you to get in the flow of the Spirit like your grandparents did back in the 70s. It's a present reality. The the reality of the Spirit is in present tense. Secondly of all, it's passive. It means that the action is being done to us. He's coming to fill us. 
We have a part in it. Our part is to open our heart and open our mind to the things of the Spirit, but He's the one bringing the arsenal. He's the one bringing the goods to us. And then finally, it's an imperative. It's a command. Be receptive. Be open to everything God has for you. And then it says there's an overflow that's going to happen once you're filled, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, I am free to run and running around the church, singing and making melody in your heart. I mean, we're just, everybody's joyful in here this morning, I think. And it's just, it's an overflow of the Spirit. Let the Spirit come out in joy in your life. You shouldn't be a sad Christian. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me, let me lay some groundwork, and then I'm going to give you four things that's going, that can help you walk in the fullness of the Spirit. But let me lay some groundwork first of all, okay? Jesus gave us the power of the Holy Spirit when he resurrected and ascended to heaven. Okay, he promised us the power of the Holy Spirit. If you'll notice in the book of John, he said this in verse... Uh, In verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, John 14, verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. So he promised us, preface to this, is greater works will be done by us. And, you know, some scholars have looked at this, and we've looked at it through the years, and we thought, well, the greater works will be done because we're doing them collectively. We're doing them. Millions of Christians are now doing the work of Christ instead of just Jesus alone, okay? And I accept that interpretation to an extent, but the natural reading of that text to me is talking to Hans. It's talking to you. He's saying, you will do greater works than I have done because I'm going back to my Father. So what works did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He spoke to storms and they calmed. He walked on water. He fed 5,000 with one little boy's lunch. On and on and on. So he's saying greater works than those can you do because I'm going to my Father. I know that sounds outlandish. It sounds out there. But I'm telling you, I just really believe it's the will of God that we do the works of Jesus in the here and now. Now, how's that going to happen? Well, he goes on down, John 14 and verse 16, and he says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. And the term another in the original language isn't another of a different kind. It's another of the same kind, alos in Greek. And so in the early church, there was a guy named Arius, and Arius believed that Jesus wasn't fully God, that he was kind of like a demigod, and he used a term in Greek called homoi, which means like, okay? So he said Jesus was homoiousius. He's like the substance of God, or he's like the essence of God. And the early church fathers and councils came out and said, no, you're wrong, brother. He's homo, which means the same in Greek. He's homoousius. He's of the same essence as the Father. He's of the same essence of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is of the same essence as Father and Son. Listen to this. 
he says, and I will give you, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he, everybody say he, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Five different times in these two verses, the Holy Spirit is spoken of using a personal pronoun. Using a personal pronoun. And so Jesus is saying, there's a person coming. There's a per- I'm a person. I'm sending another person to you who's going to help you and be your advocate. And when he comes, this is what he's going to do. He is a real person. Yes, the Holy Spirit is God. Yes, the Holy Spirit is of the same essence as God, the same substance as Father and Son. And yes, they all exist in a mysterious unity that all we can do is stand back and say, I don't fully understand it, but I receive it, Lord. And so I think in Spirit-filled churches, for years we've looked at the Holy Spirit as an impersonal force. As an impersonal force. Maybe the King James translation of the word pneuma to ghost has added and, and abetted that, but that, that he seems like some mysterious force out there. But the Holy Spirit is God in person coming to you. The Holy Spirit is the person of God coming to you. So I guess I was uh, introduced to this maybe in the late 80s, early 90s when I first read Benny Hinn's book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. He had a book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit, and he spoke in ways about the Spirit that I'd never seen before, never heard before. And he spoke like, he was telling a story in the book about communing with the Holy Spirit in in Toronto when he was staying with a certain family in an upper room. He was staying in a bedroom and he was just for hours praying and communing with the Holy Spirit. And he said he got called downstairs for, for dinner. And so as he was leaving the room, he heard a voice say, just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. And it was the voice of the Spirit calling to him. And it's the first time I'd ever realized that we could have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and understand Him as a person in our lives. Oh, somebody shout amen. Amen. Because it's it's not as the Spirit has not been here, as if the Spirit's not been here. If you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Holy Spirit shows up. In the second verse of the Bible, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters, and then creation happened. And that hovering becomes important in ancient theology. That term hovering, he's still hovering over his people. He's still brooding. It's the term brood. He's still brooding over us, creating things in us. Because the Spirit searches the things of God, yea, even the deep things of God. And he calls out the depths of God, and he calls out the depths that are in us. And then deep calls unto deep as the psalmist said at the noise of thy water spouts deep is calling unto deep as Holy Spirit comes and downloads what we need listen you need the Holy Spirit in your life not just so we can shout in church you need the Holy Spirit in Walmart you need the Holy Spirit on the job you need the Holy Spirit in your prayer life you need the Holy Spirit waking you up in the morning oh somebody shout hallelujah 
so then, uh, so, so, so we've been given the person of God to walk with us. And this is my belief. This is just the way I look at it theologically. Y'all can disagree with me. No problema. What I see, though, is that Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the apostles, it wasn't when they were born again. I don't think so. Because we have John chapter 20 which was a meeting in the upper room when the resurrected Jesus appeared to them and breathed upon them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. I really believe that was their born-again moment. I don't know, that's my thinking. And then when we come over to Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were all gathered again in the upper room. Mary's there too. And they're in the upper room, and then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and then He empowers them to be able to go and do the works they were called to. Because he had told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, wait until you be endued with power, dunamis. And dunamis is translated many times, or it's understood many times, as miracle working power. Wait, and you're going to receive miracle working power, and then you're going to go be my witnesses. Then you're going to cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick, preach the gospel. Somebody raise your hand and say, Lord, I want that kind of power. So Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were all filled. Everybody say filled. filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. They praised God. They ran out on the streets and they began preaching. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John walk up to the temple for the, day of, for the hour of prayer. And as they're walking up to the temple, they come to a certain gate. And here's a man begging for money. And the man, the Bible said, had been lame since birth so here's this guy who had been lame since birth begging for money and Peter and John stop and I'm reading in between the lines and I'm just like hearing their thoughts I'm thinking they're thinking okay we just had this experience in the upper room why don't we test this thing out or what would Jesus do in this situation if he came up and saw a lame man begging here, what would Jesus do? So Peter said, hey, bro, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He reached down and grabbed him by the hand, yanked him up, and as he did, strength came into his ankles, the Bible said, and he began leaping and jumping and praising God. Hallelujah. This was in the open public square of the temple. And so everyone's, it, it, there's a turmoil that happens. Peter uses the, the, the opportunity to stand up and preach Jesus. The authorities see it, arrest Peter and John, and bring them back before the council. I believe it's the same council that just condemned Jesus only a few days previously. But this time, it's a different day for Peter. When he was before that count, when Jesus was before that council, Peter was ducking and hiding and trying to save his skin. Now Peter is standing up before that council with fire in his eyes and boldness and a backbone like nothing else. And he speaks to them and directly accuses them. He said, this man has been made whole because you crucified the Lord of glory and it's by his power and authority that this man is now before you whole and they said who are these guys they're uneducated 
But man, it's evident they have been with Jesus. And so they said, okay, okay, okay. Here's what you must do. Speak no more in that name. Teach no more or speak no more in that name. Now you think about what would you and I do if we were called into the courthouse in Elizabeth City and they said, you've been preaching too much down at Walmart in the name of Jesus and people have been getting healed and set free. Don't do it again in Pascotank County. Some would be like, oh, Lord, well, I need to move. Or I'm going to shut up. I'm going to shop only at Food Lion. I'm not, I'm not doing that. You know, some of us would, but look what they did. After that, they said, speak no more in that name. And Peter responded and said, but how can we not speak of that name? And they chastised them and let, let them go. And what did they do? Did they move on? Did they go up to Damascus? Did they go over to uh, Asia Minor? No, no. Here's what they did. They went back to the prayer, prayer room. And they went back to the prayer room and they began praying. And they prayed something like this. Lord, grant unto your servants boldness that we may go back and preach the name of your son and we pray that signs and wonders are done in the name of your holy child Jesus. And the Bible says as they prayed for more boldness and more authority, the place was shaken where they were praying. Literally, God sent an earthquake type move and manifestation that shook the very foundations of the building. And then the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Now here's my question. These are the same guys who were filled in the upper room, and I imagine a lot of that same prayer meeting crowd was the same 120 crowd that was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And then if they were filled in Acts chapter 2, how in the world can they be filled again in Acts chapter 4? It tells me something about the nature and the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. And that is, it's not just a one and done deal. It's not you got filled in 1985 and we can put that up as a merit badge on your Sunday school bulletin board. Or we can say, yeah, you check that out. No, when you get filled, it's just an open door. It's an open door now to a life that we can live in the power and authority and gifts and miracles and working of the Holy Spirit. You just opened the floodgates. You just blew up the beaver dam in your heart. And now the waters are going to flow and they should continue flowing and continue flowing in your life. Notice, Peter is filled in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 3, he stands up under the anointing and heals a man. Then in Acts chapter 3 or 4, he comes before the Sanhedrin and he says he's filled with the Spirit and spoke. And then in Acts chapter 4 in the prayer meeting, he's filled again. How many of you can raise your hand and say, Pastor Hans, I'm ready for a, that continual filling in my life. I want a continual flow of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you four things, and these are four of many. I'm just going to throw out four. Number one, walk in obedience to God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. So there's something to obedience and walking with an open door to the flow of the Spirit in your life. If you walk with, uh, and I'm, I'm not just talking legalistically here, just, but, but, you, but listen, hey, you need to do what God says do. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. It, it, there's, uh, holiness is not 
is not a, a downer in your life. Holiness is a beautiful thing in your life. We live right because we love the one who set us free. We live right because we're free to live right. We're not bound anymore. We want to live right because it's the right thing to do and it opens up the floodgates of everything God has in our lives. So we want to obey Him and that opens up that continual relationship and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And not only that, I think there's, there's something about obeying when He speaks to you. Because when he speaks to you, it might even be in that still small voice. And as we hear him and obey him, it starts fine-tuning the engine in us to go in the direction of the Holy Spirit. If he says, do something, do it. And as you see the results, you want to do it again. You want to do it more. You want to listen to him more. I don't know if y'all heard, but maybe three, four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago, I had my friend Mike Shreve on Wednesday night by Zoom, and we showed it online. And Mike, I wanted him to tell a story before he got offline. And the story was he was in India, and he had been preaching in the bush, so to speak, in India for weeks and weeks and weeks. And he finally came to a major city before he would fly back to the U.S. And he said, I was just like wanting a decent American-type meal before I would go home. So he said, I saw this like five-star hotel, walked in, and they had like some special on steak or something or what, I don't know. So he walks in, and he's getting ready to order. And a voice speaks to him and says, go out on the street. And he's like, really? And so he walks out on the street, and when he walked out on the street, this, this little Indian businessman walked up to him. Long story short, the guy said, would you come to my place of business? So Mike said, well, I have a, just a little bit of time before my flight leaves, but let's, what time I have is yours. So they went back to the business, and once they got there, this man brought all of his employees into a room and said, now preach Jesus and the gospel to these people. And Mike preached the gospel to them, and every one of them accepted Christ, ran to the airport, called his flight, went back home. Okay. That's obedience of just listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Our good friend Doug Eccles, my best friend in all the world, and Doug will be with us this summer, and he, we have a great relationship with Doug. Many of y'all know his story. He's been to Haiti I think over 50 times, digging water wells, preaching open-air crusades, giving away, helping build an orphanage, helping build churches. I mean, it's incredible what Doug and Lori have done in, in Haiti. But this really began because he was there the day of the catastrophic earthquake that happened in Port-au-Prince back several years ago. What, hundreds of thousands died that day. Doug said he got off the airplane, and he was with another brother, and there was a guy with them who was like an airline employee. They all got into a cab, and Doug said, we were going to stay in a place I had reservations, which was a, a hotel that had multiple stories. But he said, on the way, I had the slightest nudge. And he said, I asked the driver, hey, could you take me to another hotel and this hotel had like outdoor bungalows all on one level. He said, I just feel like I'd like to stay there. So they went. Doug said, we put our stuff in the room. We went outside and sat down in like a lounge chair near the pool. And all of a sudden, the earth shook for a few seconds. The pool waves licked up 
like, and the whole ground looked like, was going like this. Come to find out, the place that he was scheduled to be in collapsed. But the place he went to by the still small voice saved his life. That's how precious it is to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Hans, what if God tells me to tell someone something? You know what I'm going to tell you? I'm pastor of the church in Jesus' name. Go tell them. What if God tells me to give something? In Jesus' name, go give it. Go do it. You never know who needs what you have in your heart at that moment. I'm telling you, God may start speaking to some of y'all to like give to somebody on the street or in church, sow something like you've never sown before. I don't know. I just I told this in the early service, and this is no glory to Hans. This is all glory to the Holy Spirit. But I don't know. Last year, I sowed more money than I'd ever sowed in my life. I said, hey, everything I have, Lord, is yours. And I don't know, but there's some crazy stuff happening in 2021 in my life. I can't help but link it to being obedient to hear, to give what God said to give. I mean, there's some crazy stuff happening in my life. Crazy good stuff happening in my life. Y'all pray for me. This coming Thursday, I'm speaking to the continent of Africa from my office through a television station in London. Last week... Uh, during tent meeting week, whenever that was, I'm all mixed up. But anyhow, I spoke. Uh, I spoke two different times. Once to uh, uh, in Accra, in Accra, Ghana, to several nations. We were getting calls from Nigeria. We were getting calls from all West Africa. And the other day, I preached a, a crusade to an unreached people group in a rural village in Pakistan. Call it coincidence if you want. I just believe if we do. Sometimes it's the smallest thing, man. Obeying God opens the floodgate, not only of blessings, but that presence to come in your life. And I know, you know, COVID was rough on us, man. We lost a lot of people. And, uh, but you know what? We've come back, and I feel this church is on fire more than we've ever been. And I, I, know, I just have a feeling some amazing things go. Okay, number two, ask the Father to fill you afresh. This is like as simple as it gets. Ask him one more time, Lord, would you fill me again? He said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. All you have to do is do that. In that context in Luke 11, and he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who obey him? All you have to do is open up and say, Lord, I want your I want your presence. God, could you baptize me afresh in the Spirit? Yeah, I've been a Christian for 30 or 40 years, but could you do it one more time, Lord? Number three, you have to focus on the future harvest. There, you focus on what God wants to do in your life down in the future. There's a future revival He wants to birth. There's a future move of God He wants to birth out of your life. There's a future harvest. There's, there's something coming. Because if all you focus on is the here and now, you'll get stuck in the status quo and you'll never want more. You have to want more. When you focus on the future, it calls 
causes a dissatisfaction with the status quo. And you say, Lord, I'm tired of church as usual. I'm tired of people going home still bound by the devil. It's people going home still sick in their bodies. I'm tired of people coming and not feeling conviction. God, I want to move a God in my life. I want to move a God in my family. I want to move a God in my church. I'm tired of the status quo. We're entering into something that we've never entered into, God. And I want everything you have for me, Lord. I want the fire of God. I want the power of God. Come on, if you're like that, come on, somebody raise your hand and just shout, me too, Lord. Hey, hallelujah. Come on, move of God is coming. And if you're not preparing for it and just sitting there, as usual, it's not going to come to you. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Future harvest. Focus on the future. Man, God is doing some amazing things. I want to be part of it. The fourth thing is you got to get around some people who are full of the Holy Ghost. You got to get around some people who have fire. You got to get around some people who are moving in gifts and moving in ministry that you maybe you're not familiar with. I want to learn, don't you? I want to get around anointed people, anointed things, anointed places. I want to listen to anointed music. I want to, this morning, as I was getting ready, I, I got on YouTube and I found Catherine Kuhlman teaching on div- cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I was listening to Catherine Kuhlman. She's talking about the Holy Spirit, you know. And I was like, Lord, I want that. I want what she's what she walked in. And that's what I want in my life. Get, you know, get in some environments that will stretch you. Years ago, 1992, I went to hear Benny Hinn at, um, at the Maybe Center, which is the basketball arena at Oral Roberts University. Okay, So we went to this meeting. And I don't know if any of y'all were in Benny's meetings back in those days, but they were wild. And so it's not like church as usual. So I walked into this basketball arena. People were lining up outside at noon to get into the 7 p.m. meeting. There was hunger like I, I don't think I've seen since. And so we walked in there, and we're sitting like in the nosebleed section. And it's not church as usual. There's somebody over here on a cot, hospital bed. There's someone over here on a ventilator or some kind of breathing apparatus. There's someone here on, I mean, it was like, Wow. Like when Jesus walked in the five porticos of Solomon, you know, an impotent folk, the King James said, laying everywhere. So I walked in, and then that, that, I was like, my mind was blown. I came from a little church up a holler on the side of a creek bank without houses. We had the power of God, but I'd never seen much beyond that. And I got in that meeting that night, and I was like, and I left, and I asked this question, Lord, why does it have to be so weird? Why does it have to be so, why does it have to be so weird? And I said, but I'll go back tomorrow because Oral Roberts is preaching, and I definitely want to hear Oral preach. And I went back and heard Oral Roberts preach, and Oral said when he went by the basketball arena during the middle of the day, he said he cried because he hadn't seen that kind of hunger since the tent meeting days of the 50s and 60s. And so I said, well, I'll go one more night. And we went back that night sitting in the nosebleed. And as they're worshiping, someone screamed next to me because their ears popped open. 
And I felt, I felt the fear of God come over me. And I said, Lord, I don't understand it, but you're in this place. People can say what they want to. You're in this place right now. And I've repeated that experience a gazillion times over the past 30 years of just getting into environments that stretched me out. Some I've walked out and left because they were weird. And I didn't feel the right spirit. But others, man, I've sat there and said, okay, Lord, you're doing something. I want to be around some people flowing in the spirit, and I want everything you have in my life. Maybe some of y'all were stretched out with Ted moving in the gifts of the spirit here the other week where he moves in word of knowledge. Maybe some of y'all were freaked out about that. And you know what? All I say is just, 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 just jump in. How many of y'all went to the pool growing up or go to the beach and you did like I did? Oh, I hate this. And then you think, you think oh, it's going to be better if I take it one step at a time. It's no better. You know the best thing is, and I hate it, it's just to jump in. And then it's like, ah, yes, I'm okay now, Lord. It just takes... Come on, wave at me. Just say, I'm going to jump in, Pastor Hans. Come on, punch your neighbor say, just jump in. You're already at Fountain of Life Church. Everybody in this town knows who we are and how crazy we are. <laughs> so just go ahead and jump in. Get around some Holy Ghost people. Get around some people that believe. Get around some people that stoke your faith. Don't get around doubters and naysayers and people who don't believe that God can move in your life or God even moves in the modern era. Get around some people who know, who got some experience, who's walked the road, who's seen God minister in power and authority. Those are the people I want to hang out with. I want to hang out with my faith friends. Hallelujah. Come on. How many can say, Pastor, that's where I want to be? I want to rub shoulders with some people that believe that God is doing everything he said in the book. Oh, hallelujah. Give him a shout, hallelujah. Okay, one more thing, then we're going to pray. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's just stand. Come on right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, just pour it out on me afresh right now. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to, to live in an era where we can come to you uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I want to close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now. But especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, Call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart. I repent of all my sin, and I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone. 
And I thank you that my life has changed in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. I hope to see you again.